Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Just a reminder, I got several people emailing about the story in Virginia, the Fairfax County School, Thomas Jefferson School for Science and Engineering or what have you refusing to give awards to Asian students so that those who did not get the awards would not feel bad. You can get all of that in the show notes if you subscribe. Text DATA to 33777. Click that first link, get your subscription, and subscribe. Now, we have to talk about a story that I am rather passionate about. And... I, I got a, well, not even really slow build here. Let me just get right into this with the Wall Street Journal. This is the headline. Uh, it is in the Wall Street Journal. Lagging arms production makes Pentagon weary of further industry consolidation. The Defense Department and antitrust officials want to boost competition in manufacturing to arm Ukraine. Don't let that subtitle about Ukraine uh, deter you from this. Here we go. U.S. defense companies are finding it tough to quickly replenish weaponry, such as missiles and artillery shells for Ukraine, leading Pentagon officials to revisit whether industry consolidation has gone too far. Two decades of mergers and acquisitions have left the top six contractors to share the majority of Pentagon spending on military equipment. In the 1990s, 50 firms vied for big contracts. The largest defense companies, like auto manufacturers, manufacture fewer things themselves than they used to and rely on more subcontracting. The broader defense industrial base shrank to 55,000 vendors in 2021 from 69,000 vendors in 2016, and those smaller companies have become a choke point as shortages of labor chips, rocket motors, and other components are hobbling efforts to boost arms production. The Pentagon is increasingly reliant on a smaller number of contractors for these critical capabilities, says the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense in charge of industrial base issues. Uh, and he talked about this at George Mason University, the impacts everybody's ability to ramp up production. Pentagon and antitrust officials have for a decade discouraged further mergers among the six prime contractors while approving most involving the next tier of suppliers. That started to change. The Federal Trade Commission last January sued to block plans by Lockheed Martin, the world's biggest defense company, to buy rocket maker Aerojet Rocketdyne Holdings for $4.4 billion. Lockheed dropped the deal. Aerojet is an example of a small but crucial cog in the defense industry. Labor and supplier issues have delayed its delivery of rocket motors used in the Javelin and Stinger missiles. Aerojet chief executive Ellen Drake said in November, a fire at a supplier disrupted production. The company stood up new manufacturing, improved hiring, bolstered its supply chain. Raytheon, which makes the Javelin along with Lockheed, said it will be 2024 before Aerojet catches up on the engine order. I'm a big fan of the F-22 Raptor. I think the F-22 was a phenomenal advanced aircraft. And it got off the line, but it was very expensive. The thing about the F-22, however, 
which is expected to still stay in business until in the air until the 2030s. The F-22 worked. The F-35 Lightning has a multi-combat role. It's intended for air superiority. It's intended for strike missions, electronic warfare, intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance. The F-35 isn't a bad program, but it's had all sorts of problems. And I really like the Raptor. It was a cool, cool jet. The F-35 looks kind of like it, but not quite. My problem here is that the Raptor was used by the Air Force. The F-35 was meant to be used by the Air Force, the Marines, and the Navy. It was meant to be a consolidated jet that everybody could use. And the result of this, the problem with this to a degree, is that the F-35, uh, because of the variety of purposes it's supposed to be safe, cannot be built for a particular function. And it has somewhat degraded our overall capabilities by being a jet with a multifaceted purpose. It's made it more complex, even though it's technically cheaper than the F-22. It's just not as good a jet in my mind, in the minds of a lot of people. But there are a lot of people in the defense industry who are dependent on the F-35 project, so they can't really speak about it. They criticize you. In fact, I guarantee you that uh, someone somewhere is going to try to either email me, call me, or, or, or try to connect with me to defend the F-35 program. And a lot of it has to do with the largesse of the program. Our defense industry spends too much time trying to keep defense companies in business. Boeing itself has become just a vessel for graft, greed, and corruption. Boeing depends on the largesse of the American taxpayer to keep it in business at this point. Boeing has had a, a series of problems with its jets at the commercial area from the, the 737 MAX problem to its innovations in the future. Boeing depends on these government projects, particularly in the defense sector, to keep it in business, to be able to do other things, and government bailouts and the like in the Export-Import Bank. Our defense industry, at this point, has become a massive pool for subsidization. Where is the innovation? Now, the Air Force have a next-generation air dominance fighter component, and the F-22 will be replaced by that. The F-35 will continue in missions, but this goes beyond that. It also goes to our missiles. So Lockheed and Raytheon, they, they make the, the javelins, but they're, both of them are dependent on a single subcontractor to make the engines. There used to be many more subcontractors who made these things, but there's been a lot of consolidation. We can step out from that consolidation, though, to the rest of our free market enterprise private company sector system. 
the consolidation outside of the defense industry is a problem as well. One of the reasons we have run into supply chain problems thus far is because of the massive amount of consolidation we've had in the country in the private sector where they've narrowed down the suppliers to certain subcontractors. And if one of those subcontractors has a problem, the whole thing goes kablooey. There actually are real problems with consolidation. Now, listen, I, I, we, we're not at monopoly status for a lot of these people. That would be bad because you get major inefficiencies. But it seems like we're headed towards that problem with these major inefficiencies. I do think companies should be allowed to consolidate for efficiencies. But at some point, you wreak out all the, wring out all the efficiencies. And continuing to consolidate may make it make sense for the companies from a shareholder perspective. But for you and me, it's bad. And we probably reached that point. And part of the other problem here that we're dealing with, if we're, if we're honest, is with the rise of the wokes using corporations to advance their agenda. When you only have so many banks in the country, it becomes very easy to bully them to stop doing business with gun manufacturers. And that's part of the problem we're seeing in this country is major banks in this country no longer want to do business with gun manufacturers because the wokes have bullied them into doing it. Insurance companies don't want to provide insurance to gun manufacturers because the wokes don't want them to. You have a limited number of credit card companies. You have a limited number of major banks in this country. You can go to the small banks and the community interest banks, but they don't necessarily have the capital needed by some of the big businesses in this country to keep growing, which then hamstrings those businesses. If we ever did get to a point in this country where you had some sort of social credit score, now listen, I this this heads towards conspiracy territory. I think it's kind of fringe. I have some friends who really believe it because China's doing it, and the World Economic Forum has advocated for some sort of social credit score. I don't think we're going to get it in the United States for a variety of reasons, the, neither here nor there right now. I don't think we're going to get something like this. But if we ever did, the consolidation of banks and big business in this country would be really bad. But it's having real-world ramifications right now here in the war with Ukraine because we've so consolidated and lack diversity in the supply chain that if one subcontractor goes offline, in this case, one company had a fire at a facility, they couldn't produce production. You know, the other thing is it also makes it easier for the fringe conspiracy theorists out there to latch hold of it. I, I haven't heard any conspiracy theorists thinking the fire was intentional, but you see this in the food supply chain now. The food supply chain is so consolidated now that uh, there, you've got this growing rumor mill that, that these food manufacturing facilities are being set on fire intentionally to starve us. Not really true. There are actually something like eight to 9,000 uh, fires a year at food processing facilities. But it's been amplified by the conspiracy theorists that something's happening. And when you actually look into the data, it's not really true. It's kind of like all the people, there's a video circulating online of all the people who just dropped dead on a basketball court or a, a soccer pitch. Uh, and they say it's from the vaccine, but if you actually look up each of those instances, they've been uh, put together in a video that looks compelling, except they've altered the timestamps, and some of them for like a decade ago, some of them are heat stroke, a lot of them you know things, but people are circulating. Like, I got this video from people saying, look at all these people falling over dead. Of course, Damar Hamlin fell over dead because of the vaccine. It's like, I've seen this video before, and all of these videos are taken out of context. In fact, if you see, you pay attention, some of them are degraded quality because they're from like 10 years ago, 
and somebody put them together and time-stamped them all as last year. People were like, look at all these people falling over dead from COVID and the vaccine. It's not really true, but people believe it. The conspiracy theorists can run amok with this sort of consolidation. We've reached a point where it's not healthy. We've also reached a point where it's jeopardizing our national security. We probably need to rethink these things as a country. And I don't know that Congress, particularly given the, the, the poop show that's happening today, has the stomach or the capacity or the, the reason or ability to be able to, to figure it out and to get it done. Something's got to happen. Something's got to happen. Right now, what you need to know, what you need to take away from this is that it, at least the Defense Department is paying attention to the issue. You should pay attention. I realize this is not a sexy topic. Nobody wants to talk about monopolies and consolidation on talk radio for 15 minutes, except you got to understand this is one of the real problems. We've allowed these industries to consolidate so much. They've gotten rid of so many subcontractors to streamline the process. Now you get a single subcontractor that, that has something screw up. You can't get your weapons. And this isn't really a problem about Ukraine. They cast it as a problem about Ukraine. It's really a problem about China. It's really a problem about China. And the efficiencies in our system where it becomes very easy for the Chinese to take out one subcontractor of one contractor of one major corporation and it messes us up in our arms supply. And we need these weapon systems. The weather outside might be frightful, but in your bed, you've got super soft bowl and branch sheets to sleep under. They'll keep you comfortable. They're just the perfect weight. Summer, winter, fall, spring, the perfect weight, and they get softer every wash. And right now, with the weather so cold outside, you want to just be snuggled up inside. They're the perfect sheets under which you and your loved one can snuggle. And right now, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlinBranch.com. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L. A-N-D-Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Bullet Branch sheets are the perfect 100% organic cotton threads that get softer every wash. Not only do they get softer every wash, but they, the drape across your body is just perfect. I really enjoy mine. We've got them now on multiple beds in the house. We've just kept buying them because they're so soft. And every wash, they get softer. And right now, get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code ERIC. So this just happened. This is very interesting. Lauren Bobert from Colorado on the floor of the House of Representatives. Listen to this. Let's stop with the campaign smears and tactics to get people to turn against us. Even having my favorite president call us and tell us we need to knock this off. I think it actually needs to be reversed. The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes and it's time to withdraw. With that, I yield. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, what's very interesting here is you've now got Trump backing the moderate wing of the GOP. It's Trump and, and Don Bacon of Nebraska, who I actually like. Um, Don Bacon is out there saying, we'll cobble together to deal with the Democrats, put a Democrat in charge if they don't go along with this. Trump wants them to go along with this. Uh, it, it's the conservatives. you got 20 conservatives. Now Ken Buck. Uh, who is also a dear friend of mine. Uh, I've known Ken for a while, hadn't wanted to bother him about this. 
But he has reportedly now told Kevin McCarthy, if you can't get the votes today, you got to go away. It says it's time for Scalise, Steve Scalise, who is the majority leader or would be majority leader to become the uh, nominee. This is very interesting for Ken Buck to be speaking up now after all this time backing McCarthy, saying show's over. Victoria Sparts of Indiana has now voted president, said clearly nothing is happening. They need something to happen today. Uh, Chip Roy has now headed into a room with one of Kevin McCarthy's aides to negotiate further. It's going to be interesting. Kevin McCarthy covets the speakership like Gollum coveted the ring. And I don't know that we are going to see Kevin McCarthy be willing to stand down, even as I think Kevin McCarthy truly should. Um, Kevin McCarthy actually just held a little bit of a press conference. Let's, let's listen. This is part of Kevin McCarthy's conference. He just held after losing his fifth vote. They're thieves. They're thieves. They're filthy little thieves. Where is it? Where is it? They stole it from us. Them. We hate them. It's our and we want it. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, he sounds like he's having a very rough day now. Um, he wants his precious badly and thinks those, those nasty conservative hobbitses have taken it from him. Uh, you know, the hobbits like the Taliban, they won. I just, I can't get over this, this. This comparison that these conservatives are like the Taliban. You do know the Taliban beat us in Afghanistan thanks to Joe Biden. The the Taliban actually have come back into power in Afghanistan. I don't know that I would use that comparison except they they have. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. The filthy hobbits is that the, the, they things tend to turn out for them. 877-973-7425. When we come back, we gotta move on to other stuff, including the crime wave and the coming crime wave. More alarm bells are going off in places like New York as the left totally misinterpreted the election results and bad things are predictably going to happen. Before I get there though, I, I just gotta, have y'all heard about this in Louisiana? This is very interesting. There's a new law in my home state of Louisiana. It makes porn pornographic sites liable for content deemed harmful to minors. If it doesn't install age verification technology for anyone accessing it from Louisiana, and it's already affecting how people can get into websites like Pornhub, the big pornography site. The law was signed into law by a Democratic governor, John Bell Edwards, passed by Republican legislature, and it requires a state photo ID. You got to upload your photo ID from the state to confirm your identity. So no more anonymous looking at nudie pictures and bad videos. Um, material. I can't read you, by the way the description of stuff that's considered harmful to minors. It, it would be too disruptive on this radio program. But if a, a substantial portion of the site, which is defined as 33 and a third percent or more material on the site is deemed harmful to minors, you must show a state ID. Material that harmful to minors, according to the act, is defined as appealing to period interests and consists of, well, essentially naked parts of the body and, and various acts that are not done in public. Uh, and sure enough, 
if you got an IP address, uh, you gotta you gotta uh, that comes from Louisiana. You gotta show your ID. So people are googling right now VPN. How do I use a VPN to try to get around the law? When we come back, the crime wave coming to New York by minors, minors, not minors as in under the ground, but as young people. We'll get to it when we come back. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. There appears to be no path forward at this point for Kevin McCarthy. He, uh, Ken Buck is, well, on and says he was on CNN and said they got to move forward. They got to they gotta do something today. And when Ken Buck speaks, people tend to listen. Ken Buck, uh, the congressman from Colorado, great guy. I, I got to know Ken. I, I endorsed him when I was running red state for the U.S. Senate race, and he barely lost that race. In a year, Republicans in Colorado were crushed, and he went on to run for the U.S. Senate. Here he is a short time ago on CNN uh, talking about the state of play. You said that by today, you need to see some indication of where this is going to go. Do you think that by today, Kevin McCarthy needs to make that deal or make a decision to move out of the speaker's race? I think at some point today, the, the conference as a whole needs to make a decision. I think what's what's happening right now is uh, people are getting worn down. You're starting to get uh, uh, some conflict, uh, open conflict on the floor as well as behind closed doors. I think that conflict isn't healthy. And, and I think, um, you know, the, the moderates are talking uh, about uh, threats that they may uh, work with the Democrats on somebody. Uh, the, the 20 uh, are saying that they're not moving no matter what. Um, at some point, people have to realize that, that we've got to choose a speaker and, and move forward. The American people sent us here to get the work done. And uh, Ken Buck is also saying it's probably time for McCarthy to move on and Buck signaling he will not keep supporting McCarthy. Uh, you got you got five five um, five votes now. We're into six. Uh, Buck has voted for McCarthy the sixth vote the last time, uh, saying McCarthy needs to cut a deal and suggesting Steve Scalise perhaps needs to step up. Uh, we will see where this goes. Uh, we will see what they do. It's going to be fascinating. I want to move on to other topics, though, because this is going to go on for a while. And, and you do need to understand the his, history of this. This hasn't happened. The last time was 1923, so 100 years ago. Uh, and, you know, in, in 1856, it took two months to figure out who the Speaker of the House was going to be. I don't think that's going to be the case now. Um, but at the same time, it is just kind of interesting to watch this. Now we're in the sixth vote. McCarthy's going to lose this vote too and see where this goes. We're watching real history here, uh, that, you know, a hundred years from now, if it happens again, we'll say, well, the last time this happened was 2023. And also it's very weird that we're in 2023, but the spectator has this article out. Why Eric Adams has failed to control crime. The New York mayor has been in office for a year there's a sense of unease there, um, and I would agree with the premise of the article that, yeah, there there is a lot of prestige here, uh, or a, a lot of um, a, a lot of fear happening. New York Mayor Eric Adams, first day in office, started with a call to the New York Police Department, waiting for the J train to talk him from Brooklyn to City Hall. He spied three men beginning to tussle. When punches began flying, he dialed 911. He didn't offer a name until the end. Adams, Mayor Adams, the moment so perfect as to seem choreographed epitomized his agenda. Reign in crime. 
and it hasn't been done. A district attorney in New York is now saying that uh, kids under 13 will not be placed in jail for any reason short of murder. Any reason short of murder. I am envisioning a, you want to get rich quick? I have a good rich, get rich quick scheme for you. Go to New York City, put a bunch of 13-year-olds on the payroll, have them run into electronic stores, steal everything, and then sell it on eBay or Facebook, um, whatever is marketplace, or Craigslist, because they're not going to get arrested. This isn't smart. Now, this all comes with something else, and and let let me step back for a minute and deal with another issue and wade into this at a different angle, if you will. Yeah, listen, I am, or for some of you may not think so, but I am a professional. Amber McLaughlin. There's been a lot of news about Amber McLaughlin, the first openly transgender woman to be executed in the United States for killing his ex-girlfriend in 2003. I'm not playing the pronoun names here. Amber McLaughlin is a man who identifies as a woman. His gender identity isn't central to the case, but it marks, according to the Washington Post, the first time a transgender convict has been put to death in the United States. Experts testified, this is a quote, experts testified that the blood spatters and other physical evidence show that McLaughlin forced his girlfriend Gunther to the ground, raped her in the parking lot of her place of employment, stabbed her repeatedly, dragged her body to a car, and drove to a river to dispose of it. And somehow, we're supposed to feel some level of of remorse that this man is going to be executed. He changed his name and appearance to be that of a woman, but no, you can see the Adam's apple in the picture. They tried, they got Mike Parson, or no, they got uh, two members of Congress to appeal to Mike Parsons, the governor of Missouri, to halt his execution. On Tuesday, only hours away from the scheduled execution, the governor announced the death sentence would go forward. McLaughlin's co-counsel said it had nothing to do the, the gender identity with the 27-page petition for clemency. The trial judge imposed the death penalty after the trial jury was split on a punishment, one of several reasons. Counsel said McLaughlin did not deserve to be put to death. Only Missouri and Indiana give judges the power to impose the death penalty if the jury's deadlocked. A doctor had been set to testify about McLaughlin's mental illness, but on the day of testimony, it was discovered he had committed misconduct during medical school, and the counsel asked if the jury had heard testimony about McLaughlin's mental health. Uh, They probably would not have deadlocked. Now listen to this, because this is actually relevant to the conversation, and it's part of it that no one wants to have in this conversation. McLaughlin had been diagnosed with borderline intellectual disability, brain damage, and fetal alcohol syndrome, battled depression, and attempted suicide multiple times as a child and an adult. 
and surprise, this man now identified as a woman and transitioned to the name Amber McLaughlin. We're not supposed to suggest there's a mental health issue here. This gets to the larger issue. It's one some people will be uncomfortable with. McLaughlin, there's no dispute, murdered his girlfriend, Beverly Gunther. They began a dating relationship in 2002. It became a romantic relationship. It was ended in less than a year. In October of of 2003, McLaughlin burglarized Beverly Gunther's home. Beverly Gunter was granted a protective order against McLaughlin. Two days later, age 45, Beverly Gunther was murdered. This man, Mr. McLaughlin, changed his name to Amber, was mentally unstable, and transitioned. And we're not allowed to talk about the mental issues of those who are transgender, we're not allowed to talk about that. You get canceled when you talk about that. But the side issue here is a very important one. We're supposed to be empathetic people, but for some reason or another, some switch has been flipped on the left where they empathize not with the victims of crime, but the criminals. We're supposed to presume that, well, they had a hard life, bad things happen, the nation is systemically racist. We're supposed to we're supposed to be upset. We're supposed to we're supposed to get worked up on behalf of the bad guys now. Where there are no more bad guys in the movies, they're all anti-heroes now. In New York, 13-year-olds and younger, they're not gonna go to Juvie anymore. Because you know Juvie's bad. Juvie's part of a systemically racist system. And we don't want to set these kids back in Virginia. Smart kids who get good grades and awards can't be told about the awards because the kids who aren't as successful in school, not as academically, they may get their feelings hurt. They may get their feelings hurt. Why are we having so much empathy with the people that on the, the wrong end of the side that we, we can't have empathy with the people who are the good kids? We can't have empathy with the victims of crime. We got to have empathy with the criminals. We got to be so worried about the kids who aren't academically gifted and their feelings hurt by the academically gifted. We can't give the academically gifted their awards or let them get into college and get a good scholarship because it may hurt them a feeling. In the United States House of Representatives for two days in a row, we've had to have six votes for Speaker of the House because will Kevin McCarthy may get his feelings hurt? He's earned it. It's his time. We have to let him do it. No, you don't. I generally tend to be a sympathetic person and an empathetic person to others. My team gets mad at me because I don't like to tell other people no. I'm having to learn actually to tell people no. 
I try to at least see the world through other people's eyes to understand the world as they live it. Because I don't actually think that it, it, there's a, a disproportionate sense these days of calling other people our enemy. When really what we mean is they see the world differently from us and want it to operate in a different way. And we think that's bad. Therefore, they're the enemy. We overuse the word enemy. Anyone who disagrees with us politically, they're the enemy. If they're on the left, they're the enemy. And really, they have a different life experience. They've been raised in a different way. They've been raised with different sets of values. They're not really the enemy. They have grown up with a different way of life and a different worldview than us. And I don't think inherently we should presume that person is bad. We should. We can disagree with them without hating them. What is so bizarre to me, so frustrating to me, so common to me these days is that so many people on the left, so many people in academia, so many people in the media, so many people in our postmodern world have decided that we have to be sympathetic and empathetic to the bad guys because there are bad guys out there, people. These people, they may not be our enemies, but they're the bad guys. There, There are monsters in the world. There are monsters in the world. And... This all, it's discombobulating to me that we're in a situation where we're supposed to show some level of empathy for a murderer. And in New York City, we're supposed to show empathy for a criminal 13-year-old because the system is supposedly uh, racist, systematically racist. What about the victim's? What about the empathy for the victims? What about the empathy for the business owner who's going to go out of business because the kids keep stealing their stuff? The world has gone upside down. The world's gone upside down with the left. And they're playing a game with us, this woke nonsense. And honestly, the way you win the game is to not play the game. Don't play the game with them. If you don't play the game, they get mad at you and they scream and they try to cancel you. But ultimately, you know what? You wind up winning. There's no reason for us to coddle the criminals of this country because we think they grew up unfairly. They had a hard life. You know, there are a lot of people in this country who had hard, terrible lives who did not grow up to be criminals and murderers. Some of them, unfortunately, are going to be the victims of these other people, and we should keep that perspective in mind. And when the media comes to us and tells us, when the left comes to us and tells us, we got to remember they had a hard life. It was so bad for them. Oh, woe is them. Woe is me. Life ain't fair. Never has been. It's never going to be. But there is right and there is wrong and there is good and there is evil and there is justice and there is injustice. And siding with the criminal is not just. It is not right. It is not good. Okay, we got to move on. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Uh, you can get a three-pack for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com if you put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. What you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in Eric 3, E-R-I-C-K 3, 
and you get a, three of them for less than $200. Now, what are they? They are, in fact, air purifiers. They get rid of the dust. They get rid of the mold, the mildew, the pollen, what have you. But also, more importantly, they're air purifiers that eliminate odors. That's how I use mine. I keep one in my suitcase. If I'm in a musty hotel room, if I got a got a rental car, someone's been smoking in, litter box odors, pet odors, cooking odors, musty odors, smoky odors, you name it, it wipes out those odors and it does so well. You can get three of them, one for upstairs, downstairs, your basement, your RV, your suitcase, whatever, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200. You get free shipping. It's EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. <laughs> I just, I got to laugh. So I, I've had this ongoing exchange of emails with, with this listener down at uh, my affiliate in Vidalia, Georgia, and... Uh, he got mad at me yesterday. One of several people who emailed and said, "You got to st- stop talking about Kevin McCarthy. Just focus on the left." Uh, and I, I'm, I've explained to him an email. No, I'm not uh, going to stop talking about Kevin McCarthy. I'm, I'm sorry if you don't like it. You don't have to listen. And tried to have a, a, a respectful exchange. And now he's like, oh, "I'm just going to I'm going to call the the station and have them take you off." Uh, <laughs> wow! Wow! This is. Kevin McCarthy style antics. Um, good grief. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I I try to engage with listeners. Let them at least understand that, nah, look, I'm 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 sorry I'm not Rush Limbaugh. I, I wish Rush were here. Uh, but it's my show, not his show. Uh, one of the great things about him being a dear friend of mine was was essentially giving me permission to be myself. I don't have to be there. People think it's it's insulting. When they, you're 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 nothing like Rush Limbaugh. No, that's actually a compliment. Why? Because so many people try to do such a bad impression of Rush, and part of that impression is they they think they need to tell you what you want to hear. Uh, and he told me years ago, he said, "Stop trying to be me. Be yourself." Uh, and it was a, a wonderful piece of advice. But it, some of these guys. I don't know. It is people of a certain age um, in any event. It's just, it's funny. You you try to engage with someone and they don't get their way. They're like, well, I'm just going to have the station take you off. So um, we'll see. In any event, um, Kevin McCarthy, they've headed into the sixth vote. Uh, Ken Buck saying it it's time to be over. They need to get behind closed doors. They need to figure out what's happening. They need to find someone else. Steve Scalise is on the rise. You know, if you look at Predict It, he skyrocketed in Predict It, uh, Steve Scalise has. And my understanding is that uh, they're going to they're, they're going to try to get Scalise out there. Top McCarthy allies are telling Bob Costa at CBS News, it's time for everyone to get in a room and talk about a deal that gives McCarthy the gavel but wins over the critics. Not sure how they do it, but there's a push now to adjourn and haggle for the rest of the day. Driven by a fear among longtime Republicans, the longer the floor vote unfolds, the bigger risk of a sudden turn of events. And for McCarthy to start losing more votes, they're getting desperate for Kevin McCarthy. The man needs to lose. He is not fit to be Speaker of the House. Thank you to my friend Ken Buck for speaking up on this. Ha, we'll have to talk about this tomorrow, but I got to find something else to start the show with. This is getting ridiculous.